Hi, I'm Tiffany. And I'm Lindsay. And this is Luminol, Luminol Cocktail. Hello. Hello. How are you this morning? I'm actually probably doing better than you are. Probably so. <laughs> I am at Lindsay's house in my pajamas. I am hungover. I got so much shit to do today. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. So your computer's at 11%. It'll be fine. You came prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I got my iced coffee this morning. <laughs> I did not even brush my hair, dude. Like, I, I straight rolled out of bed, threw on a hoodie, brushed my teeth. I did do that. That's important. I brushed my teeth and I, like, I have, like, this micellar water that I oh, used yeah. to, like, so I, like, wiped my face off. Got in the car and came and what hoped for the best. What did you do last night? Had a bitch fest. Okay. Drank and had a bitch fest. I wasn't sure why you were, what yeah. the uh, we, uh, reason for drinking was. Yeah, there's just been, like, a lot of drama in my workplace recently. Mm-hmm. You need, like, a, a personal day. Exactly. I need a mental health day. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have the staffing for that. Right. So, <laughs> co-worker and myself, basically, once... We both worked 12-hour shifts yesterday. Yeah. When she got off work, she came by, and we just drank wine and ate pizza and bitched. It was very therapeutic, honestly. Sounds like it. Like, I feel a lot better mentally. Like, I feel a lot less weighed down. So, yeah. it was good. Well, that's good. I but mean, uh, all things considered. Yeah. Wine hangovers are the worst, also. Yeah. Well, also, yesterday, one of our specialists are leaving, mm-hmm. and so when it's, like, the last day of work for a doctor, they'll, like, buy lunch for the whole staff, and they got it from this chicken sandwich place around here. I don't know, but, like... You have problems with chicken. Well, also, it wasn't just me. I was like, oh, this is just my body being No, no, dumb. I mean, like, it's always you and chicken. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't matter where it's from, but it's, it's just, like it's always chicken for you. It really is. But I felt like I was like, holy shit, dude. Like after I ate, I was like, I feel terrible. That's not And great. I thought it was just me. And then we like got in the OR and the surgeon came in and he was like, I am so sorry you guys had to wait, but uh, <laughs> that lunch did not agree with me at all. Mm. And I was like, oh, good. Because was it I'm like a. Like, Hell too. Like a fried chicken kind of thing or grilled? Or? Yeah, it was fried. Mm. I just think it's so, funny that you consistently yeah. have problems with chicken. <laughs> like way more. I don't think I've ever had any problems with I, chicken ever. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of times you're like, yeah, that chicken really did me in. My body is just like <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Like we were talking about it last night because we were talking actually about the COVID vaccine and mm-hmm. like pros and cons and whatever. Pros, you get your life back. Right. Con, uh, you stay in the house forever. Well, one person was like, well, like, I'm I am not personally high risk for COVID. So, like, there's the argument from people who are like, I'm not high risk. I don't need it. She's like, but I don't want to spread it. Yeah. And that's why. Well, I think also like, it would be nice if there, there was another lockdown, then people who are, like, in hospitals or – because I know it goes in phases. Right. And I think – one of the early phases is grocery store, like, workers. And I was like, yeah, because if we go through a fucking lockdown again, then people who work there and have to work right, aren't going to, like, be put at risk of exactly. getting something, basically. Well, so I was like, that makes so much more sense. Well, also, it's just, like, super fucked up, like, the way, like, each state is allowed to classify. Yeah. I'm like, 
veterinary professionals were classified as essential workers, so mm-hmm. we kept working the whole time, especially since we are an ER and specialty practice. Yeah. We did not close down at all, and they were not putting us in any position to have the vaccine. They I don't get like, it. You like... guys are going to be like round two, probs round three. Yeah. But they just, they yeah, but at just that like point, this week changed It'll be it. like anyone will be able to exactly. get it. They're like, well, yeah, da, 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 da. Like, we're all young, whatever. And I was like, I'm, I'm at risk for that. I'm at risk for a COVID-related death. And they're like, what? And I was like, my heart condition? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I was like, but I'm also like high risk for vaccines too because of my vaccine reactions. So they're like, what can your body do? Not much. Well, it don't <laughs> function too well, but uh, that brain though. Yeah, there you go. It's good. I got a good brain maybe sometimes when it decides it wants to work. Otherwise, like my body's kind of crap. That'd be fine. Yeah. As long as I don't have to switch to a strictly chicken diet, I'll probably be okay. I'm surprised you still even bother eating chicken anymore at this point. It's good when you're trying to be healthy. Well, yeah, I know. I'm just... But one too many times would be... Too, I mean, once would be too many for me. Here's the problem, though. I cook the fuck out of chicken whenever I make it at home, so it's always, like, dry. <laughs> and Ian's like, babe, you gotta, like... You gotta not <laughs> you should bake it. do this. I do, but I, I'm like, hmm. What, what I don't do you, trust you. Five more minutes. What do you bake it on? What temperature? Uh, 375. For how long? Uh, 30 minutes. Yeah, you are. Yep. <laughs> you are trying it out. Yep. <laughs> I'm not trying. No, I know. To fuck with that. <laughs> I don't get sick from my chicken at home, mostly because it is so fucking dehydrated. <laughs> Nothing can live. I'm like, if there's a little bit of moisture in there, I'm like, nope, probs are off. Gotta cook it some more. Well, you gotta let it sit. You gotta let it rest for a moment. Yeah. Let it rest. That's why I'm ready for summer, because then I can just grill again. And I got to a point where I was making some pretty damn good chicken on the grill, and it was cooked all the way through, and it wasn't dry Do you have hobo meals? Or camp Um, meals? Or we used to call them hobo meals. Yeah, I know. (laughs) No, I don't. I usually just, like, marinate chicken for, like, a couple days, and then I just grill it. Those are just so simple, because you put it in the foil with, like, vegetables and whatever dressing or and just, like, throw it on there. Like, all right, cook yourself. (laughs) My mom gave me this thing, and it's, like, a metal basket, and it like for grilling vegetables. Oh yeah, I bought one for my dad. Yeah, yeah, she was like, here you go. She's like, so you can grill your vegetables, but like you don't have to worry about them falling through the grate. Yeah. So that was pretty helpful. I think also got my dad like one for like fish too. So you can nice. grill fish. Yeah, because that's probably pretty difficult to do on a grill. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think my grilling skills are quite there yet. <laughs> well, my dad is like a grill master yeah. basically. <laughs> also, the best burgers. my grill is like the size of a placemat. It's oh, like okay. the yeah. babiest of grills. Yeah, no, my dad has one of those really nice grills that like you need to put underneath an awning so like it doesn't get ruined in the rain, yeah, no, you know? Tiffany doesn't have one of those. <laughs> like I think it's um it's not a charcoal grill. It's Yeah. Yeah. It's one that has like the two like sections you lift up the uh-huh. top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one day I'll get one of those. Maybe. I wish Alex would grill more so that we could get one. I like I like grills. Like grilled food is good. A grilled food is super good and it's healthier than fucking frying it. Yeah. So. That's why I try to bake most things. Yeah. I prefer baking things. No. Well, I'm making Korean barbecue tonight for dinner. We're, we're, we're doing date night tonight instead. Uh, Alex forgot he opens today. So, Oof. and we, because now we're obsessed with 
dice, for example. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, which I realize I'm pretty sure I have, like, ADHD or something. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I get so obsessed about things. Uh-huh. So, and I can't focus on more than, like, one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I've been, like, neglecting research mm-hmm. and schoolwork to write my one shot. Oh, so it's that. bad. I'm, like, obsessed with it. I just want to finish it. But we, he got, like, a bunch of, like, variety of dice. I just send you, like, whatever. And so he came up with a game where we were rolling. Whoever had the lowest number had to take a shot. He oh. was rolling terribly, like, back to back. And uh-huh. then you roll another dice to tell you how many minutes in between. And he kept rolling terribly there, too. So it'd be, like, two minutes. Oh. <laughs> so I got him trashed on Thursday night by accident. Whoops. <laughs> so just a good Thursday, you know? Just a casual Thursday. <laughs> uh, you want to take a break? Sure. Okay, let's take a break. You ready to get into the case file? Let's do the thing. Do you need to see over here? Do you need to see it? No, it's fine. Since you're not prepared with it on yours? No. (laughs) Well, I have it off so that it saves battery, right? (laughs) Because you didn't come prepared. I mean, I have my all my research done. I did all of my research for this case a week ago, which is that's amazing. Quite good for me. I did mine last night and this morning. Nice. See, that's <laughs> normally like my gig is normally like Wednesdays because it's my day off from work, and I'm like Wednesdays is podcast days, and I just had like appointments to do on Wednesday, and I was like, I need to make sure that I get this done and make this a priority. So Sunday, I was like sitting down, I'm doing this. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I've neglected this for other things. That's just my obsessive personality, not getting things into check. I feel like that sometimes. <laughs> Somebody at work the other day, they're like, yeah, like, we we have a new tech. And they were talking about reorganizing. And they're like, yeah, like, I don't see how you, like, deal with this. Like, you very obviously have a type A personality. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And they were like. I can see that. And I was like, I guess you're right. You're a little less Damn. in your face about it, though, than most other type but A it people. Boils but under yeah, the I can see it. <laughs> yeah, so I've been really uh, reevaluating my life. It's fine. I'm a type A person. Hours. It's fine. <laughs> it's, I'm fine. I might yeah, annoy I, other people, but I don't care. I'd be fine. <laughs> so for today's case file, we are talking about the topic is growing up with a killer. Yeah. So, so. pretty. Could be a parent, could be a sibling, could be an aunt. Maybe a grandmother. Right. Could be a neighbor across the street. Like, you grew up across the street from them and didn't realize they were a terrible, terrible killer. I don't know. Yeah. The drink for the episode is a Dirty Shirley. Yeah. 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 We're we're not sporting that one today. (laughs) The whole hangover. And the fact that we're recording at 10 a.m. Yeah, it's really more the 10 a.m. thing. I was like, oh, I got, like, I got up. I was like, all right, they do open, like, liquor stores open at 10. And I was like, do I really want to make a drink at 10 a.m. though? <laughs> where's the, where's the line here Where? between having a problem and I not was having a problem? Say, it's like <laughs> that line is so blurry between like being appropriate and because it's for the podcast, issues. right? You know, it's not because I want to drink at 10 a.m. It's not because I need it. But so I was like, no, we're not gonna do that. Yeah, yeah, no, we don't need to try it. We've all had yeah a run a rendition friend. of this. Yes, you know, so it's fine. Do you want to read the quote? Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. It's Helen Keller. 
felt like a weird one, but I was like, I like the quote, so. It's fair. <laughs> Helen Keller is a trump card when you're playing cards against humanity also. All right, I think that is it for the case file. Yeah. I'll just go then. Yeah, go for it. Cool. You're good, yeah. You can be as good die anyways. It will. We're at 10%, guys. It'll be all right. April Belasco's family moved a lot while she was growing up. Her father, Edward, was a handyman who was often unable to provide a stable income for his family. Basically, just as soon as they begin to establish roots and connections, it was time to move again. The fact that they were moving would come out of nowhere. Things would be going along normally. They'd be living their lives. And then in the middle of the night, he would wake up the family and tell them it was time to pack up and move again. This transient lifestyle was just a part of the abuse that Edward dealt to his family. He was also both physically and mentally abusive. As you can imagine, given this type of lifestyle and personality, Edward tended to dabble in illegal activity. What? Who could have guessed? And when I say dabble, I mean prior to the birth of his children, he managed to land himself on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. Oh, that's nice. Yes. It was for a bank robbery he committed where he was supposedly the getaway driver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was eventually arrested in 1962 and was sentenced to 16 years and a federal prison once he was finally captured. So let's backtrack and just kind of talk about Edward's history. He was born in 1933 in Akron, Ohio. When he was two years old, his mother died and he was sent to live in an orphanage before going to reform school. In 1950, after leaving school, he began committing petty crimes before eventually enlisting in the Marines. Okay. So I don't know if he was like, I'm going to be a bad guy, just kidding, I'm going to go to the Marines, or if it was a, like, thing like they did in the 50s, like, you're going down a wrong path, you can go to jail, or you can join the army. That's kind of what I feel like it was. Of course, him being in the Marines didn't last super long. What? What? He eventually just went AWOL and was arrested. He was at a quarters or military base in North Carolina, and they caught him, I believe, in Jacksonville, Florida, Mm -hmm. and arrested him there. He was dishonorably discharged, Mm -hmm. but he learned that you can get things for being a service person. Mm -hmm. He would pretend to be a Marine which, of course, ended in him being arrested, again, for impersonating an officer. Side note. Mm -hmm. When people are dishonorably discharged, why are they allowed to keep their uniforms? Because then, like, this happens. Because that's what it was. He was dishonorably discharged, but he was still wearing his uniform for the Marines and stuff. Don't they buy it? I don't know. I feel like if you get discharged for a fine reason, sure, whatever. Anyways, he spent the next few years in and out of various prisons, where he eventually became an outspoken advocate for prison reform and wrote a book about turning away from a life of crime called Metaphor... Nah, nah. I like it. It's a great title. Yep. Interesting spelling. (laughs) really rolls off the tongue. (laughs) It's called Metamorphosis of a Criminal. He, of course, sold it to make some dollars and was able to support his family from that for a while. Oh, that's nice. And that brings us up to April's childhood. When she was growing up, she knew things weren't quite right, and as she was growing, she realized their lifestyle was not like that of other families. Mm -hmm. She and all her siblings were aware of her father's dark side. 
She grew up with a variety of memories that didn't make a ton of sense because she was so young when they happened. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know how it is when you're a kid and you can only, like, remember, like, parts, pieces of weird shit. And it doesn't make a ton of sense. But you're like, okay, whatever. Like, it was a thing that happened. One of the things was that when she was eight, she remembered her father taking her to a park and down a path until he reached a point by a pond where he pointed at the ground and shouted, here. It seemed strange and random to her eight-year-old mind, but she moved on because she was like, whatevs. Don't know what that's about. As she got older, more and more strange things just didn't add up. Another one of those events was the mysterious hospitalization of her mother when she was a child. She wasn't entirely sure why she was there and wouldn't learn of it until she got much older. As far as she knew, her mom left the house for a couple days, came back with no real explanation except that she had been in the hospital. Okay. They didn't talk about it. She also began to connect the dots in her mind that her father must not just be a shitty dude as a father, but also had the potential and capability of doing some pretty awful things to other people. This was made even stranger by her father's obsession with murder. He would often, which like rude. (laughs) Yeah, I know. He would often cut out newspaper clippings in their town of recent murders and tape them on the walls. And just had his own little murder wall. Okay, that is kind of weird, though. Right. That's super weird. <laughs> Which, like, right. Like, there's, like, a obsession with murder. Like, okay, well, all right, then. Fine, be like that. But then it's, like, I'm not going to cut out newspapers. There's a difference between... And tape them all over the wall like a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, like, making a shrine to murders and uh, just wanting to be up on the up and up. <laughs> yeah, apparently he would get real pissy if people were, like, around it or the kids were going to fuck with it or anything, so. Sounds like a, was it, like an ulcer? <laughs> yeah. Perhaps the strangest thing would happen when April was an adult, which was the murder of her foster brother, Danny Boy. In 1996, Danny Boy was found dead in an Ohio cemetery after having been shot to death. There were no real leads in the case, and it went cold. It was during a family gathering that April was talking about the death of Danny Boy with her siblings, where she finally learned the truth of her mother's unexplained hospitalization from her childhood. Apparently, her father came home one evening and was looking for a bag of chips that he wanted to eat. He was angry because, apparently, his sons had eaten the chips while he was gone, And was ranting and shouting about how mad he was that he didn't get to eat that bag of chips. When April's mom tried to calm him down, he took a knife and stabbed her. Whoa. I mean, you know. Because he was mad about some chips that he didn't get to eat, he fucking stabbed her. I have been there before. Maybe not like to actually stab someone, but I've grown up siblings to eat your food is real annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't, like, you share everything once you have children. Nothing belongs to just you anymore. Right. But. but. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was definitely, like, an unspoken rule in our house that, like, you don't take the last of something without, like, asking the parent first. Yeah, yeah, I grew up like, well, like, it'd be, like, uh, soda or just things like that, but it'd be more of, so they fucking know. Exactly. <laughs> so they exactly. can buy more. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't like a, you can't have that. It was like a, yeah. you just need to communicate with us Let so somebody... we know what's in the house. Yeah. <laughs> kind of situation. Yeah. Not because they're going to stab us if right. they get surprised. Right, not because they want it either. <laughs> right. Obviously, the stabbing is what led to her hospitalization for days. How did... That's a big event to just not quite remember. Well, 
And the fact that it came at the hands of their father is why they weren't allowed to talk about it. Mm. Because if you talked about it, you didn't know how he was going to react. And maybe you could get stabbed. Sure, it's fair point. So all the kids were just kind of like, all right, we're going to shut the fuck up about it. Mm-hmm. Once April realized what her father was capable of doing to his own wife, she decided to look a little more into their family past. She had a feeling that their transient lifestyle had much more to it than just him needing to move for work. April realized that her father had been questioned in relation to several murders, specifically that of Timothy Hack and Kelly Drew in 1980. Timothy and Kelly were 19-year-old sweethearts. Timothy was going to be a, like, they're so fucking pure. Mm -hmm. Timothy was going to be a farmer, and Kelly had just graduated from beauty school. No. And they were just going to, like, live on a farm. It was going to be so cute. On August 9th, 1980, they went to a wedding reception with plans to meet friends at a carnival afterwards. Witnesses saw them at the reception, but they never showed up to the carnival. Their car was found in the parking lot of the reception location, with the doors locked and Timothy's wallet still inside. A huge search was started for the two kids, which turned up some pretty scary items. They found things like Kelly's pants, which were cut from the ankle all the way up to the groin. Mm -hmm. They also found a strange piece of yellow tubing and some more pieces of torn clothing. Two months later, after their disappearance, two hunters discovered their bodies. They had been left to the elements and were pretty decomposed. And they were able to determine that Timothy had been stabbed in the back and chest. Kelly had likely been strangled, and there was evidence that she had been sexually assaulted. Witnesses noted that the handyman at the wedding reception facility that Kelly and Timothy were at had a weird bloody nose. That handyman, as I'm sure you can guess, was Edward. When officers questioned him, he explained it was a result of a hunting accident. And they didn't look into him any further. Or just like, all right, dude, bro. When you say bloody nose, like, you mean like it's like gushing blood? Like, I don't know like if a it was like gushing bloody... blood, but they were like, he definitely like, it looked like somebody had like punched him. Okay. I'm just like, how would you, because mm-hmm. he's there working as a handyman mm-hmm. at, a, at a facility for an event. So I was like, well, are you going hunting at the same right. time? That's why I was curious. Like, is it like bleeding or just like he'd been punched and like, right. Yeah, that's what I was asking. Yeah. April was... Obviously surprised they didn't look further into him, especially when she realized he was also questioned in a similar case in Portland, Oregon. Mm. On Thanksgiving weekend, 1960, Larry Patton and Beverly Allen were found dead. Larry was in a car parked on a lover's lane and had been stabbed the same way Timothy was. And Beverly had been strangled and raped and left in the same condition that Kelly had been. He was questioned, but never arrested. They didn't have any firm information. Once April realized the connections between her father in these cases, as well as his violent behavior and insistence on a transient lifestyle, she contacted police to basically tip them off. Like, I think you need to look into him again. Three weeks after tipping off authorities, April was informed that her father's DNA was a match to that found at the crime scene of Kelly and Timothy. Part of that investigation, whenever, like, officers were talking to him about it again, they asked him, they're like, oh, blah, 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 do you like hunting? Or ask him a question about hunting. And he was like, yeah, no, I've literally never been hunting ever in my life. Mm. And they're like, that's so interesting because in 1980, you said your bloody nose was from a hunting accident. So do tell, was it a hunting accident or have you never been hunting in your life? Right. Idiot. (laughs) 
<laughs> you idiot. You dumb bitch. <laughs> I think you'd be great in a uh, interrogation. I really would be. I was like, okay, you're fucking stupid, but all right. You like literally pull out the paperwork <laughs> when you made notes. Like, here's where you said from a hunting accident. Do tell me some more. Anyways. Edward Wayne Edwards mm-hmm. was arrested on July 30th, 2009 for the murder of Kelly Drew and Timothy Hack. After his arrest, he confessed to two other murders, that of William Lobico and the murder of Judith Straub, both of which he shot after an argument in a parking lot of a bar. Apparently, he and William were having, like, a fight, a disagreement, whatever. Judith was with him, and he was like, you need to, like, go sit the fuck in the car. And she was trying to defuse the situation, so instead he shot them both and killed both of them. Oh, you know. Yeah. After his conviction for these murders, he asked for the death penalty. Mm. Yeah. When he felt that courts were taking too long for sentencing, Mm -hmm. he then also confessed to the murder of his foster son, Danny Boy. Mm. Supposedly, Danny Boy had been, like, stealing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not how you, like, treat people who've taken you in. And they, like, legally adopted him and everything. He was just eating chips, probably. Probably. Uh, He was eventually sentenced to two life sentences for the murder of Kelly and Timothy. He was 77 at the time he was sentenced and eventually did die of natural causes. So. But they didn't give him the death penalty, which is what he wanted. Fuck that guy. I hate when murderers ask for the death penalty as, like, it, um, what's the word? Uh, like, it gets rid of, like, their guilt, basically. They're like, oh, I'm, oh. I'm acknowledging this is what I deserve. It's almost like a... Well, it's... I don't know. I can't quite figure out the it's, word I want to use. It's self-serving. Yeah, like, it has nothing to do... Because you don't actually feel bad. You just don't want to deal with the consequences now. Like, you didn't right. want to deal with the consequences before, because if you did, you wouldn't have done the thing. Mm-hmm. Or... Not to sound shitty, if you thought you deserved to die for what you'd done, you probably would have killed yourself. But you don't. Because you don't think you deserve to die. You just think that if you say that, it, number one, makes you seem like a better fucking person. Right. And it gets you out of having to live in jail for the remainder of your life. Yeah, it's kind of like, there's a word, I just can't think of what it is I want to use. But that's always, like, that's how I feel every time. They're like, oh, I should just get the death penalty. Like, we should just speed this up. Don't make any more appeals. And it's like... None of this matters. Right. <laughs> I do have a question. Yes. Did you ever, uh, I don't think we really have like lover's lane anymore in mm-hmm. our generation, but would you ever like park a car somewhere and hang out in a deserted area? Would I or did I? Either one. Did you? And now would you after, you know, years of being? Oh, I definitely would not. <laughs> There is private property yeah, that okay. I would go to and hang out That's fair. in a secluded area, but I props wouldn't just go to a road that everybody knows as a lover's lane. Yeah, I was like, I don't think we just... have a lover's lane situation anymore. I think you just kind of take your car to somewhere that's abandoned. Well, like, I think it's somewhere that's abandoned, but then it's, like, also, like, um, there are definitely still certain places that kind of fall under that, like the woods behind CSU. Oh, well, I guess if you're... You've got the woods behind CSU. You've got... Uh, from here and exposed from things like that. I guess that makes sense. But I... Right. Not really so not much. in Florida. <laughs> yeah. No, not really in Florida. Like, they're... Like, kids would go hang out places, but it would be... It wouldn't be, like, a known spot to hang out 
to do things or anything yeah, like that. Like, no. that's not, like, people there, did it, but it wasn't. I was going to say there. was a spot. <laughs> I think there are definitely known spots, but I wouldn't classify them as, like, This was, like, lovers. do we have a lover's lane, technically? Is that, is, that a, is that a thing that's died? I can def. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it depends on where you're at, also. <laughs> There's so much farmland and shit. Around yeah. Here, well, so we're not too far from here. There's so. a spot me and Alex have gone to to like hang out at before, or whatever. When we like when we have roommates and stuff. Yeah. And uh, we had gone back there. I don't know at what point. I don't know if we lived here when we did it or on homework or whatever. But we went back and we were like out walking around and stuff, and uh, we came across a large pile of corn. Like, corn cobs. Yeah. And that was like, nope, getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's like, no more, I'm done. Oh, they were just feeding the deer. <laughs> no, it was like a massive pile. Yeah. But it, like, it was so creepy. And it's so far off. It's like a development area where, like, uh-huh. they're building things. I was like, nope. That's what they do. Don't like this. This is creepy. Uh, <laughs> this is some fucking wrong turn kind of shit. <laughs> so, my parents have a lot of property. And a lot of it is swamp. Yeah. And... There's, like, fire lanes all throughout it. Like, the government is, like, you need to have, like, X amount of fire lanes, whatever, across your property so that if there is, like, a wildfire or something, it, like, slows the burn and shit. Um, And so there's, like, all these little side paths and stuff. And their property, like, goes from their house all the way back to a river. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, we would just, like, ride our bikes or ride our four-wheelers back there. And we would just go swimming in the water and then, like, go back up to the house and it'd be fine and one time I was walking back there by myself and it was when I was walking back up like I didn't take my bike I didn't do anything and like my dogs weren't with me nothing and I just heard music through the woods (laughs) and I was like I got to go right now because apparently like also like on the one side of their property is government owned and it's like a wildlife sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is also private property. And I guess somebody put drug trailers all together is the only way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Because it was like they have a generator and it's like three single wide trailers and they just run extension cords <laughs> to the other ones. Okay. And like my dad drove back there because I told him what happened. He's like, I'm going to go fucking investigate. And I was like, okay. And then he saw that and he was like, no, no, you guys aren't walking back there anymore. <laughs> I know it's our property and, like, they shouldn't be on there, but no, no. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. People can be anywhere. I don't like it. It's not great. <laughs> All right. Uh, William Lindsay was a family man. He took his family camping and fishing, making those memories Robin Lindsay's fondest ones of her family in, like, her childhood. Mm-hmm. Robin is the youngest of five, and she was your typical daddy's girl. Aww. Yeah. She said when she was little that her father was everything to to her. That was her hero, like all kinds of stuff. You know, just way closer to him than her mother. Mm. She also explains that even though he was really great in her eyes, her parents together were not so great, <laughs> if you can guess. Robin's mother drank a lot, and both of her parents were toxic to one another. The constant fighting was most likely a result of her mother's drinking, but it did escalate into, like, physical Mm -hmm. altercations sometimes. According to her memories, her mother always came across as, like, she just wanted to party. She never wanted to actually be a mother. Like, Mm -hmm. that was more important to her. 
that calls Robin to believe her father to be the one, attempting to keep the family together and happy because he's planning these outings and just trying to have some kind of normal lifestyle. Yeah. So she was totally unaware of the fear that she should have felt instead of her father. There were signs, of course, like I said, parents had physical altercations. And after fights broke out between her parents, her mother would pack up things from the house, like sheets, like things they needed in the house, and then would just leave. And as she was leaving, she would tell her kids, like, I never wanted you. I never wanted to be a mother. Like, I don't love you. I'm never coming back. All kinds of shit. Great. When you've been told that a few times, Robin didn't feel the pain, like her some of her siblings said, about her mother leaving. She was like, great, good riddance, go away. I got my dad, we're great. (laughs) Her mom leaving and going, that became kind of normal until... One time when Robin and two of her sisters woke up in the middle of the night to her parents arguing and her mother having a gun. William Lindsay tells his wife to just leave, like, get out of the house, like, we'll be better off without you, whatever. So she takes out this gun and demands that the children come with her when she left this time mm-hmm. or she was going to kill them. Basically is what it came down All right. to. Yeah. And the girls are watching this and like crying and they're just like hugging each other like they don't know what to do they're all young kids right being exposed to this but once again william became the hero because he got the gun away and got rid of his wife and shit all i'm thinking about is you remember that chewy granola commercial where they're like my mom had to cut up all her credit cards and they're like kids say the darndest things give them this food to shut up was essentially like the i do not remember oh this. my god it's fucking <laughs> hilarious but that's all i'm thinking about right now like my mom tried to shoot my dad here's a granola bar no idea what you're talking I'm gonna about. I'm just show you that commercial. <laughs> like i know that the the brand you're uh-huh. talking about but i don't recall it was commercials she left and um everything was fine for a little while She did come back at one point and managed to take the kids and hide them in a house in the woods in Florida somewhere. I can't remember where. And they stayed there for a few months. I mean, the kids went to school and stuff, but they were hidden away from, like, their father and finding them. Of course, he did. She lost custody of her children at that point. He convinced the courts that their mother was mentally unstable and all that stuff. So, again, he came off as the hero to his kids. Everything was great for the family. Except for one day, their dad took them to a concert. And on the way there, the kids are fighting. There's five of them in the car. It'd be like that sometimes. Yeah, and he's getting more and more agitated as it goes on. Well, as Robin's telling the story, she says the next thing she remembers is waking up sprawled out in the street. She sits up and she can see all of her siblings, her, the rest of her family, in the street as well. Apparently, William had fallen asleep at the wheel and crashed his car. She wasn't... Injured, she had, like, one cut, but two of her siblings needed to be hospitalized because it was so bad. Like, one of them had a brain injury so bad they needed to relearn how to talk and walk again. And another one was, like, in a full body cast. Like, it was just... Real bad. Real bad. You know, their mom shows up, obviously, because her kids are there. (laughs) But she's going on saying, like, William tried to kill the entire family bed. This wasn't an accident. This was, like, on purpose. If you look at William's history, when he was about five months old or so, his dad got into an accident and attempted to kill the family. In the episode, Evil Lives Here, Robin tells the story as if it was attempted and it didn't happen. But if I'm looking at research, it says that William Lindsay was an orphan because of this accident that took his Ah. parents' lives. So I don't know which is accurate. Which one to believe? (laughs) 
It was very similar to what he did with his kids. Yeah. But the police kind of brushed her off because she was known for being a drunk and she'd taken her kids before. So they're like not giving her the time of day, basically. Yeah. Years later, William remarries someone and she appeared to be the exact opposite of the kid's mother. And she had some, I think she had like two kids of her own. Just seemed like she was a great like housemaker, basically. Mm-hmm. However, Robin also says that was untrue as well. She could just hide it better. Jesus. (laughs) She talks about this big argument happening where her stepmother, her name's Annie, is kind of just like laying it on Robin. And William comes in. He's like, what the fuck is happening? Blah, blah, blah. And then they get into their own fight. And so she leaves. She's like, "Um, whatever. Because I guess it is implied that William got kind of physical, but not like not like a fist fight physical, just maybe like a shove or whatever. So she left and he followed after her. When Robin's retelling it, she says Annie came in with William later on and immediately she walked to the fridge and put an ice pack on her neck and was just visibly afraid of William. Yeah. She never knew what happened, but she's like, yeah, my dad was aggressive and things, but had always appeared to be a good guy, sort of. Yeah. It's very, very confusing. I feel like if you're watching this, you probably think he's not a good guy, but I don't know. When you're a kid. She's though. a daddy's girl, I guess. I'm going to say, like, when you're <laughs> a kid, tough. like, things are really skewed, especially, like, I'm sure he was, like, brainwashing his kids also. Probably, yeah. So. I mean, it doesn't go into that in, like, right. you know, a lot of it. Actually, this wasn't a very, this was very difficult to find any articles on, yeah. actually. Yeah. So, similar to your case, as the children grew up, they moved from city to city, Uh from house to house, about once a year. They're like, all right, let's go. Time to pack up and move, basically. And that is now a trigger for Robin as an adult. Moving is, like, a huge trigger. Like, she just feels like it's the most difficult thing to do. On top of them moving, he would buy a new car. A used car, but a new car about every year as well. Okay. And she noted that, like, we didn't have the financial means to do this and like moving or buying new cars would put us right, in like it's expensive. financial like trouble basically. So she never understood why she thought they were finally going to stay settled in one place because they were actually remodeling a home. And he's like, no, we're leaving. This went on for a, a while. Another thing on top of the moving and just like, that doesn't make sense. One time while the girls were doing the family's laundry, because that's a, uh, a, a womanly a chore. <laughs> they noted a pair of jeans and a shirt belonging to their dad was covered in blood. You don't say. Yeah. They asked about it and he said he cut himself. And don't worry about it. It's fine. Like, I'm fine. Everything's great. They knew not to question yeah. what they were given. However, Robin talks about looking back on it. She believes her father enjoyed watching his kids, like, clean up his messes. Right. Yeah. You Involving know. them. Yes. Which is so fucked up. <laughs> so eventually she graduated and got married at one point and began a family of her own. But William was still present in her life and he visited her and her family and they were close. Yeah. Annie died eventually of cancer. And Robin thought that her father's behaviors were just kind of a spiral from that loss. Mm-hmm. He kind of acted, like, paranoid and was on edge constantly, and he just didn't seem like his normal self, I guess. Yeah. However, that's not what the problem was. Of course it wasn't. God damn it. (laughs) So the truth wouldn't be revealed to Robin, her siblings, their family, until 1996. 
So they are all grown at this point, have their own families. Right. When they find out their father was arrested and charged with murdering a sex worker. Okay. She says at the time when she found out, she couldn't believe it. They're like, that's not, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, like my father would never do this. Well, it turns out he did. (laughs) William confessed to killing between 12 to 20 other victims. Oof. Yeah. However, police could only link him to six or seven deaths. Oh, is that all? That's it. This took place, I think, over a few different states, so that probably might be part of the problem. Right. Of course. The deaths had taken place between 1988 and 1995, and William explained that he found his victims from what he called Crackhead Corner. Oh, God. I guess this area was a known spot for sex workers, drug dealers. That would be easy for him to find a victim. Right. He was charged with the one, but he confessed to killing Lisa Foley, Anita McQuig, I think is how it says, Connie Terrell, Lashana Streeter, Cheryl Lucas, and Donatha Hale, and Diana Richardson. All of them were sex workers, if I'm not mistaken, and they all came from, like, a similar area. Lisa Foley had disappeared October 9th, 1983. After a night of drinking at a lounge in downtown St. Augustine, William strangled her after the pair got into an argument after having sex, and her body was discovered five days after she disappeared in a marshy area of St. Augustine Beach. Anita got into William's car on November 29, 1988, and her mutilated body was later discovered floating in a borrow pit near St. Augustine Beach as well the following morning. Yeah. She had been beaten so badly, her eye socket was crushed and her jaw was fractured in two places. Jesus. She also had cigarette burns and bite marks on her. Yeah. Police didn't connect it because it was so different. Right. They were looking for obvious signs of a connection, but, like, she was beaten, whereas the other one wasn't. So, like, this doesn't, you know. Right. She has a lot of different marks of abuse on her. William confessed to that murder in 1997, but he couldn't recall why he'd gotten so angry to do that to her. Because you're a douchebag? Yeah. Well, there is a there is a theory. Um, so Connie Terrell was picked up by William on June 10th, 1989. Barely 12 hours later, her nude body was found by a fisherman. Connie had been strangled with a rope and was shot. So again, kind of different. different. <laughs> yeah. LaShawn Streeter was picked up by William on March 1st, 1992. Her body was found 10 days later by a local taking a shortcut to an area residence called Quinny's Land. She had been partially undressed and hidden beneath broken branches and other debris. Cheryl Lucas was picked up by William on a June evening of 1995. Allegedly, Cheryl grabbed money from William's dash before jumping from the vehicle and trying to run back to where she was. He caught up to her... And crushed her skull with a pry bar. Oh. Yeah. Her body was found several days later by boaters. So really the only connection has to do with the area bodies are being dumped. Right. At this point, obviously, they put that this is probably a serial killer. Right. So the other two people, he confessed to killing. Their bodies were never found. The dump sites for the murdered victims of William Lindsay was a place Robin remembered fondly until the truth was revealed. All of those camping trips and fishing trips were there. 
Oh no! At this beach, this creek nearby. Oh no! All of it there. She, they have a picture, like a crime scene photo. It's like of like a boardwalk or pier or whatever, and it's marshy and stuff. She's like, I know this spot. Like I, we've been here. Like we went here as kids. Like when I was eight years old, we would go oh, fishing that's here. That's so fucked up. Yeah. And so she's like, I think he would take us there so he could go to this place and relive, right? His murders, basically. Like with the one I was talking about. When she was like, yeah, my dad took me yeah. on a path and he was here. They were like, yeah, found out later. That's where he murdered someone. Yep. Same thing. He just really enjoyed fooling everyone. At every place he went to, no one thought of anything. William Lindsay did die in prison on April 17th, 2001, after being sentenced to 30 years in prison in Florida. 500 years. <laughs> and 500. Not, and not one month less. That is that. That's actually not a very, like, the media really didn't pick up huh. that. It's really difficult to find a lot of stuff on it. Because he was murdering sex workers? You know what? I have this problem because uh, Alex came in and was watching the Evil Lives Here episode that mm-hmm. I was watching. It's titled, I Hate Being Daddy's Girl or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had to pay $3 for the episode because it didn't <laughs> come with my Amazon account. Jesus. But it's fine. Uh, it's like season five. I don't remember what episode. And at the end, he was like, that was really boring. He just didn't do anything fun. And I was like, because he was killing sex workers? And he goes, well, no. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. He goes, no, it's just because he didn't do anything, like, different than every other killer did. God. Yeah, it's kind of part of the problem. It's was like, we have to stop using the word prostitutes. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We've got to humanize these people. Truly. But it's not, like, media just didn't. Huh. I guess other things were happening. I guess. Fuck. It is Florida. It is. There's a lot of shit that happens There's in Florida. There's a lot going on every day. So, <laughs> especially between early 80s and late 90s. Yeah. There was a lot happening. A lot of things going on. And you're right, but the sex workers, that's not gonna... Right. No like, one cares. No one did care. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, you see it in tons of cases where they're like, oh, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Wow, look at all these bodies. And they're like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I guess when you, uh, if you move a lot for no reason. If your dad randomly is like, hey, we got to leave again. He might be a murderer. Just keep that information in your back pocket. It's fair. If you buy cars every year. Yeah, definitely a murderer. Definitely. Dads have it on this one. Yeah, well, I mean. Yeah. Most offenders are male. I just can't believe he tried to kill his whole family in a car accident. What a bitch move. Oh, and so at the end of the episode, when Robin's explaining the crime scene photo and stuff, she also says she either believes or he said the reason why he killed these people was because they reminded him of his ex-wife, their biological mother. Jesus. These, these type of people, these drunks, these drug addicts, these, like, lesser viewed people. I was going to say, like, um, fuck. Fuck, now I'm going to blank. I don't know what you're going to say. (laughs) I don't know. Like those killers who are like, I'm making the world a better place by murdering people. Yeah, but his rage at that one person boiled over so many times. He killed, you know, eight eight plus people potentially, you know? Right. First responders unit? Yes. I remember. You did. You're doing so good. I really am. (laughs) 
You can look for more information or find us on Instagram at Luminol Cocktail Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Luminol Cocktail Podcast. And you can find us on our website, which is luminolcocktail.com. It has blog posts about these things with links to our sources if you would like to know more. Otherwise, we will be back next week. Nope. What what the fuck did I do wrong? You forgot Weekly Verdict. Oh, shit. <laughs> weekly Verdict. I'm warm over. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, I don't know. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's because I said I was doing so well. <laughs> it's my own fault. It's fine. What's your Weekly Verdict? <laughs> my Weekly Verdict. <laughs> um, do, 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 do. Uh, I haven't done anything this week. Besides D&D, <laughs> I don't know if I really want to make that my thing. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, D&D, I guess, will be my weekly verdict. Because it's new. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend it unless people actually like it. <laughs> but if you do like storytelling, I highly recommend becoming a DM for some group because that's a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 You get to paralyze people. You get to kill your friends, <laughs> basically, without killing them. So. So if there's any murderers listening <laughs> to this, <laughs> try D&D. Take your anger out in other ways. I mean, I got to uh, kill Alex in two turns after I paralyzed him. So, I mean, you know, nice. I wouldn't have been able to do that. No. But me as God can. Yes, yes, you can. So Anything is possible when you're God. Also, I like that there we uh, I have friends that don't mind that I like some dorky things. Because if like growing up, I would have enjoyed D&D. Yeah. But I would have been so horribly made fun of it that I never right. would have Right, like you wouldn't considered have it because kids are dicks. Yeah. So it's nice that now I'm a grown-up that I have mm-hmm. people that don't care. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. So it's also kind of nice to realize that. Yes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. As long as you're happy. That's all that's important. Yeah. What's uh, what's yours? Um, I think my weekly verdict is that I have started a workout routine again. Oh, how fun. Yeah, like I still can't do any like... Oh yeah, because your hand's not... Yeah. Well, still trying to get yeah. uh, my uh, fucking rehab, like physical therapy and stuff, but whatever. But I've started running again. It's so cold. How are you doing that? I hate myself, I guess. It's so cold. I tried to take Velma the other day. No. Oh, that was a bad choice. <laughs> I love her, but I can't take her until I get like a harness because she just has a collar right now because she outgrew her puppy harness. Yeah. I can only imagine. No control. That's, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think finally being in a place where I can like, okay, like I can start getting back into my old routines. Yeah. Also, routines in general are just so good for people routines are great. mentally. <laughs> also, like I've just been feeling a lot better this week because yeah. I've been doing things to make my body feel better. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm excited about. This Your body week. appreciates when you treat it nicely. Yes, <laughs> like so. the temple that it is. Right? <laughs> Body is a temple, and I am the god to which it is dedicated. Yeah, exactly. See? Yeah. Next week, we are talking about false confessions. Woo! I'm excited. Yeah. I'm not excited for the drink that comes with that one, though. <laughs> I don't, I'm not excited for any drink right now, honestly. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that one specifically. So now. Now. <laughs> okay. One day I'll learn how to host a podcast. Okay. <laughs> we'll see if I ever get there. We'll try again next week when we're back to serve you guys another round of Luminol Cocktails. Mm-hmm.